Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, Go to patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Men is here. Our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Men is will be doing long form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. The first bonus episodes are available now. So if you want some great extra content or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Now, on with today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your co-host, Manners, and joining me today via... Uh, the phone, I have Jaleesa Apps. Jaleesa, how are you? Um, good. As we were just discussing before the show, I have been a little under the weather, so thought it best not to be in a room with both of you. Have had a COVID test. And it was funny, my voice started going actually last podcast and a lot of people messaged me being like, are you all right? So <laughs> they sort of knew I was sick before I did, but um, I'm fine though and I'm COVID free. If anyone needs to get a COVID test, they're so gentle now, by the way. I was like, God, really, like have a crack. Give me some pain, but they didn't. <laughs> You're the real winner from this, Jaleesa, recording over the phone. You don't have to sit across from our ugly mugs. <laughs> Speaking of ugly mugs. Oh, I like seeing you guys. Oh, that's nice. Paul, how are you? I'm good. 
I'm good, guys. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I think before we get into the show, this is going to be a short show, listeners. We've all we've each got a little article we want to talk about, and then we'll be back in studio soon to record a full show. But I just want to thank the listeners for all the messages that came in after the last show uh, when we had Barrett Sunder Racing on and we spoke about the situation in India. I thought some of those messages were quite heartening to receive. Mm-hmm. It was um, surprising, actually, how many people did messages because we definitely went were well off topic in terms of cricket at times. But um, and I thought maybe maybe people wouldn't be into it, um, but I didn't care because I think that sometimes we've got to talk about the things that are going on, and it seemed like a lot of people actually did like us chatting about it. So it was nice to hear. I think sometimes you've just got to talk about what's going on. Cricket doesn't sort of live in a bubble, so to speak. Wrong phrase for the moment. But, uh, you know, when cricket and broader issues intersect, I think it's folly to try and use the argument that it's, oh, just stick to sport. Um, You know, for me, I think sometimes you just got to tackle the the issues that come up, even if they're maybe a little bit off topic. Definitely. And I think this was one of the bigger examples of that. Apart from the fact that the cricket had been cancelled, it would have been crazy to try to talk cricket last week. Exactly. And just thanks for everyone for writing in. Uh, We really appreciate the feedback. It's nice to hear from you. And I've got a few uh, messages from listeners to read out later on. But, Paul, to start off this show, you've been just doing a little bit of a a deep dive into what's going on on over in England um, in the start to the county season. Do you want to kick off? Yeah, I mean, I I was just trying to satisfy a craving for some form of, of cricket and oh, so, on... sorry to cut you off sorry to cut you off but just speaking of satisfying cravings just before we started recording i watched glenn maxwell play liam punk plunkett on e-cricket it was a video game they were playing maxwell was in melbourne plunkett was in england i watched the whole thing i watched the whole that's, game that so. sounds honestly awful yeah are you all right man uh, I don't know, but um, Maxwell won, so that was good. Uh, Maxwell won, so big result for him at Lords. I think. I love, I love that Manners one week is like last man stands in the real cricket, and then the next <laughs> week he's like oh, I'm watching e cricket. No comment. I think this is probably your um, second, not your lowest point, Manners. Your second lowest point. Your low point still remains when you played that vid- cricket video game and chose to take part in the 1995-96 Mercantile Mitchell Cup season and, and was playing. And you were, getting, you were posting the matches on, on Twitter as if they were real results. That was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. I'm sad I missed that. <laughs> it was a really good campaign. I recommend uh, the Mercantile Mutual Cup from about 20 years ago. <laughs> All right, Paul, sorry to interrupt. But, yeah, yeah speak, continue this cricket craving. Yes. I'll have a look at how the Aussies are going over there pretty early in the season, but fairly slim picking so far. The standout to be Marcus Harris, who has um, scored 212 runs at 42, and he's made 100. And Dan Worrell, playing for Gloucestershire, who's taken 11 wickets at 25.7. him. he's only played two games, but he's only managed 23 runs in those games. Peter Siddle hasn't had a very good start. Three games, four wickets at 63 Peter Hanscom, three games, 31 runs at 6.2 for Middlesex. Then I thought, well, I'll have a look at some of the English guys to see how they're going with sort of a view to the Ashes. Uh, You guys will remember Craig Overton, who's played um, a handful of uh, chess matches. Big unit of a bloke. 
He's played, played five matches for Somerset, taking 32 wickets at 14.0. So he must be someone who will come into consideration for the Ashes uh, next summer. His overall record, bowling average of 23.5. And another one who's not very well known in Australia, Ollie Robinson, has been very close to the England test side. So far this season, he's taken 25 wickets at 13.8. He's got a career record now. He's uh, taken 275 wickets at 21.1. Hewitt Broad, 14 wickets at 17.9. One other um, player that some Australians probably don't know, Ollie Pope. I think if England are going to win the Ashes in Australia this upcoming summer, he needs to do pretty well. He scored 485 runs at 69. There's every chance that England could uh, put up one of their more competitive Ashes performances in a long time in this upcoming Australian summer. April-May cricket in England, wow, that's really tough. Usually tough conditions to bat. Certainly not going to suit Peter Hanscom's technique over there with the ball zipping around. Yeah. It's a bit of a precursor, though, because I think a bit later in the year, a lot of the attention will be focused on the English summer with the, the 100 beginning and a lot of Australians going over there. Uh, I think this, coming off what's been a diabolical year, COVID-wise, I think actually um, the 100 will bring a lot of life back into the English summer. I have so. Um, we've talked at length at how there's a lot of scepticism out there and and we've said, uh, throw away your scepticism and um, embrace it. Um, it. It'll be the best thing for English cricket if it succeeds and it will help prop up the county game and, and test cricket over there. I'm also just looking forward to the um, to the winter when the test series against India gets underway. I've got a balcony here that's going to get very cold in winter and I plan to sit out there, dress warmly with a hot cup of tea, watching the cricket <laughs> on my phone um, at, at one in the morning with some dark chocolate and... Um, have a romantic experience for one just in front of the um, the phone watching the cricket from from 20,000 kilometres away. There's nothing that can beat it, I don't think. Paul, do we know, um, this is a question that you might know, do we know with the 100 what the broadcast rights are over there? Because, I mean, that seems to be the thing that sort of killed uh, cricket in England is um, the fact that it's not seen as much anymore. Is it on free-to-air over there, the 100? Yeah, it is going to be on free-to-air. That was oh, part that's of the, good. That's great. Yeah. That was part of the deal. I think it's going to be on BBC Two, um, which is obviously a massive station. Several games will be on BBC, and maybe the the rest of them, or all of them, will be on um, on pay TV as well. But certainly, mm-hmm. there's going to be a free to wear presence. Great, that's really good. Yeah, there was some discussion that one of the reasons they brought the hundred ball concept in was to fit the game between the two BBC news bulletins, so it wouldn't bleed into. Their news bulletin. So, um, yeah, first game's July 21st, Oval Invincibles v. the Manchester Originals. uh, (laughs) What? It's a bit um, rich to call aside an Invincible when they've never played it. Um, Yeah, I know. What a (laughs) (laughs) bit much. Indeed. (laughs) Now, Jaleesa, what's caught your eye in the last week? Um, Well, what caught my eye was uh, an article about um, sustain. This is so rare. I'm going so loose with this, but <laughs> I thought it was um, quite interesting. It was a study by the University of Cambridge into um, sustainable cricket bats. So I'm not sitting here like being a greenie, just preaching everything. Don't worry, this like gets to a point. But um, this is talking about basically how willow, um, English white willow, is getting really hard to source, particularly because you have to obviously replant once you use a tree, whereas 
bamboo you can keep harvesting for several years before 15 years before um, you need to I think it's 15 before you need to replant it so there was a study by the University of Cambridge about how bamboo cricket bats could be ushered in I guess I found it really interesting um, because Mary Lebone Cricket um, Club which is obviously the owner of the Lord's Cricket Ground and you know was at one time the guess that the laws of cricket mm. but now just has very heavy influence they obviously picked up on this and was were reading it with interest as well because they tweeted about it and actually put out a media statement about what they thought about it and they said right now in the laws of cricket it wouldn't they can't use um, bamboo bats because first of all it's a grass not a wood so that again goes against first law of cricket and then also the fact that they would have to use a lemonade would go against another law, but they didn't rule out trialing it and testing perhaps whether these laws could then be modified to have bamboo cricket bats. And I just found it very interesting. It was something I hadn't thought about before, and I wanted to hear what you guys thought of it. Well, Jaleesa, first off, this is before your time, but there, do, you, do you know the story of when Dennis Dilley sort of tried to bat with an aluminium bat um, against England? Yes, I England? do. <laughs> yeah. This has those areas, doesn't it? That's, um, you know, trying to do something a bit different. I don't know. Uh, I'm just not sure if, um, you know, it seems like wood's the best thing for a bat. I suspect yeah, a lot of cricket traditionalists would hate this. and But it does raise the question of um, if bats start to become really expensive because they can't source as much willow as quickly because apparently there is a bit of a shortage at the moment. So, and cricket bats are like the last thing on the list. So, um, that Willow's being used for. So, I do wonder if it's something that is actually going to have to be looked at maybe in 20 years' time, maybe it'd, sooner. It'd be perfect for last man stands. Perfect for last man stands. <laughs> uh, I'd be fine with or, it because the, the aluminium bat, uh, I remember Alan Border said that he. Got um, Dennis Lilly gave it to him in the nets to use, and Alan Border was too junior to, to say anything. But he said when he hit the ball, there was a thunk that just was unpleasant, and he thought this is going nowhere. But he sort of said, "Yeah, it feels good, Dennis." Um, <laughs> but I think even though bamboo is, is a technically a grass, it, it, it would not have that same metallic thunk to it. And the MCC, Julissa, they're still kind of responsible. They're the custodians of the laws, and they still. Even though the ICC run the game, the MCC are still kind of the – they have that historical oversight over the laws as well, which is quite interesting. I thought it was really interesting that they bothered to sort of put a statement out about it because it just said to me this was something that they actually really took quite seriously. The statement sort of said they wouldn't be opposed to changing the laws if that would not have an impact on the game. It's interesting how the MCC and Lords have this reputation of being – uh, impossibly traditional and old-fashioned, and yet they're quite progressive. One of the, the things that I like is that Lords actually allow you to bring a bottle of wine uh, into the ground, which um, if you do that in Australia, you'd be taken straight to prison. Um, plus, they I think that now they no longer have any sort of control over the overall running of the game. They feel as though they can almost have this contrarian viewpoint where they can be quite um, innovative and out there with their thinking. So... It's actually quite on brand that they would um, be willing to embrace something like a bamboo bat. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first read it, I thought, well, this is a little like out there for them. But yeah, perhaps 
perhaps not so much. Um, I just expected them to be quite traditionalist and not open to. I actually wouldn't have expected a response at all from this study because it's not like they had to. It didn't mention them. Um, but I, yeah, I was, I was shocked at that. I mean, it's good. I like the, mm. the forward thinking. It's something especially that could come in for lower levels of the game. Obviously, the best players will get the best bats, but when you're looking <laughs> at lower grades and uh, you know amateurs, maybe this is a more environmentally sustainable option. Is one thing you do see at sort of grade and district level when you're playing around and seeing the different clubs, that there are these people that try and reinvent the wheel. They might, um, you know, I remember once a bat came out with a bend, sort of a bend in the handle. I think Doug Walters was involved with that one, and that was sort of to help you with your grip the bat. Uh, sometimes they take bits of wood out of the back. So there are people tinkering with bats at, at lower levels, but a lot of the time it doesn't make the top level. I think if, though, if you had a whole generation of players playing with bamboo bats, then it would make the top level because you wouldn't want to switch your bat. Bradman could make a hundred with a piece of bamboo. That's for sure. All right. Now uh, I've I've got an article by Nagraj Gullapadi from Crick Info, and I intimated in the last episode that that I thought um, instances of the bubble being breached would come out, and it's happened pretty quickly. If, within a few days of the IPL being postponed. The, the, this article is excellent and points out some of the real problems with the IPL. And I'm just going to run through some of the issues. I mean, the most obvious issue, obviously, is holding it in India. The COVID cases were a lot higher in the cities. But Nagraj makes the point that in the UAE, the, the cases were only ever um, 1,000 a day, whereas in the in India, they were you know up above 100,000 a day when they started, and then we saw it go above 300,000 a day. So to, to think you could get a bubble off in that environment was folly. Uh, then Nagraj makes the point that... In the UAE, the, the, the players could just catch a bus to the ground and they didn't have to deal with security. They didn't have to go through airports where there were people that weren't in the bubble. So it was just a much safer situation. And, uh, yeah, so that that's a simple one. Then then there were just things that they just didn't do that they did last year. Before the last IPL in the UAE, they had a – a workshop and went through with all the players, all the rules and all the COVID regulations to make sure they knew exactly what they had to do. This year, there was none of that. When they checked into the IPL bubble in the UAE, they had a a COVID monitoring app on a digital device that would uh, not only check their temperature and if there was any symptoms, but they, you know, partnered that with a, a movement tracker, which meant that they could track everybody's movement. So if anyone left the bubble, they knew. Whereas this IPL, they tried to do the same thing, but the Indian firm just weren't able to do it. It was unreliable and it didn't work. And a lot of the clubs actually had to return them before the tournament finished. So you had no one tracking. And then I think this just sums up the problem. They had what's called bubble integrity managers. And these were basically monitors to make sure that all the rules were being adhered to and you know we've seen we saw instances where players would come back from the hospital and not quarantine when they should have been in a a room by themselves for a week Uh, but then the actual managers themselves were caught leaving the bubble to go and have cigarettes to go for walks and they were meant one was meant to be in hard lockdown in his room and there was footage of him just leaving his room 
So, I mean, if you've got the mm. managers, if you've got the managers not obeying the rules, mm-hmm. then it was always um, destined for failure. So, the, just a, head on to quick, quick info. Nagraj's article really outlines all the the examples of where the bubble was fraught with danger. The fact that if you've got if you're going to got that many cases, it, it's just impossible because. I mean, in Australia, we've got a bubble in a sense of um, we have people in quarantine with um, COVID in hotel quarantine, and then the rest of us are sort of in a bubble. Whereas, so you only got that one-way traffic of you're quarantining people, and then once they're okay, they're coming out. Whereas in India, you've got that the bubble that we have is full of COVID, and so if you've got people that are servicing the people then and that are supposed to be in the quarantine. That you've got two-way traffic of how COVID can be transmissible through that. Mm. And it's just not possible. It just was not ever possible with that kind of caseload. I, I found it really interesting. I think, man, as you were tagged in a tweet that I was as well, where someone was really defensive about having um, it. Like, I think you had said we should have been in the UAE and someone was super defensive about that and gone, oh, no, well, the cricket is bad in the UAE or whatever wouldn't have been the same in the UAE and it's just like how can you possibly think that this was in the end a good result no absolutely I thought it was a a really eye-opening article Mena thanks for bringing it to my attention and (laughs) I agree with Jaleesa and and what you said Mena that really inevitably the bubble was never going to work in India but it didn't look like they actually even tried I mean that the it looks like last time round the UAE bubble was best of breed and they put they pulled out all the stops to make sure that it would work. This Indian one, um, if that article is to, to be believed, and I see no reason why it isn't, that they were fairly relaxed about it the whole way through. So it, it never had a chance. And I, I think that that's a disgrace from the BCCI um, to put all of those players and support staff um, in, in, you know, putting their health in jeopardy because they just didn't try. At least if they'd had the equivalent bubble in the UAE, that they did in the UAE, um, it might not have worked anyway, but at least they would have had a chance. So I think this is a disgraceful, disgraceful performance by them. But, you know, they should all hang their heads in shame. This is just a reflection, too, of just the government, though, because the, they, uh, the fact that they allowed gatherings to go ahead, mm. then everyone else sort of finds their own out as to why they don't need to quarantine or why they don't need to follow a bubble or they don't need to be as strict on the rules. Whereas in Australia, when we had the Australian cricket team come over, we were all under still under restrictions as well. And the government, you know, you were in trouble if you broke those restrictions. And if the game had broken those restrictions, the game, they could have been easily called off. This is why good leadership is so important for so many areas. Absolutely. All right, well, before we go, I just got a couple of messages from listeners and also I ran into last week one of Paul Dennett's old work colleagues and cricket teammates. So I want to give a big shout-out to Alex who's listening. He said he's listened to Cricket Unfiltered or the Australian Cricket Podcast since the beginning and it's reinvigorated his love of the game. So it was really Uh nice to meet Alex. And I said to him, look, have you got any Dennett stories? He got into tenant <laughs> stories. And, and he said to me, he remembers one night in particular, 
and Jaleesa, this will ring true to you. Down at the Coogee Bay Hotel, they'd played cricket that day. <laughs> it was close to midnight, or it was very late, Alex said. And you're on the dance floor, still in your whites. So I can imagine, you know, beating the ladies off, you know, all the backpackers. Like, leave me alone, leave me alone. But um, apparently you had a couple of frothies. I'm just froth- here to dance. I mean, you had a couple of frothies, Paul, and you were trying to talk to Alex about the tactics from that day, about probably why you lost the game. Um, you know, trying to run through, sort of relive uh, what went wrong on the field, on the dance floor. And then... <laughs> The only disappointing thing was Alex said to me, Paul wasn't a bad cricketer. He was actually pretty good for our team. Oh, so. that's nice to hear. Thanks, Alex. Um, yeah, great bloke, Alex. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, working together and playing cricket together. Uh, so, oh, yeah, really stoked that, um, that you listened to the podcast. Thanks very much. One of my favourite dance moves used to be that I would pretend that I was batting and actually doing some gardening on the wicket. And I'd walk down and prod the pitch with an imaginary bat. And I thought that was a really cool move, but no one else did are you were you a better were you a better batsman or a bowler? Oh. Um, <clears throat> I was probably a least a less worse bowler than a batsman. Less worse bowler than a batsman. Okay. <laughs> what did you enjoy more? Uh, I definitely enjoyed bowling more. I just have this image of you on the dance floor, like pretending to pat down a, an imaginary spot on the pitch, and people just <laughs> looking at you with complete bemusement. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused as to why you stopped playing, Paul. Oh, I think it was just um, I. It took up so much time, it and does. then the even if you just had a day in the field where you didn't do much, I, I would then on Sunday I, I would be in agony. I would be like, really? Yeah, just it's just like standing up, and especially on the odd occasion when I did score some runs, I would be in a physical world of pain on the Sunday and probably the Monday and the Tuesday as well. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> my, uh, my dad still plays cricket and he is 54, 54, I want to say. Yeah, 54. And he, uh, he still plays cricket with like a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds. That's awesome. That's great. I think he just, um, I think like, every year he sort of says to me, oh, I think I might, uh, you know, maybe this is the year, you know, that I retire. <laughs> but he loves it. And I think it's just, they love playing with him because he just organises everything. <laughs> oh, that's he's, great. That's, uh, I love that sort of story. That's fantastic. And he just puts himself at slips and <laughs> doesn't <laughs> too much, but he still loves it. There's not a lot of competition for his time in Bora, I can imagine. Well, there's two grades, actually. Uh, I mean, like, Actually, the, I mean, the, I mean, he, sh- you know, like, if he stopped playing cricket, what's he going to do? I mean, there's not much else to do. So, what are you talking about? There's the river. There's so much. You've just named there's one where- thing. You've just named one thing, and it was a river. So. Man, you should visit Burrow one, Burrow one day. Oh, no, I'm planning on it. Love that. I'm planning on it. We need <laughs> a we need a live show in Burrow. That's the, the next <laughs> the next step. Sure. I think that that would be great. Yeah, we could get all your family down there and stuff, all your mates. Um, yeah. We, I got a few messages about my Star Wars shout-out. I'm going to read them out really quickly. Diddly Squat uh, wondered why I didn't call Stuart Broad Jar Jar Binks. That's because everyone hates Jar Jar Binks. Uh, Mitchell Hall called Nathan Lyon C-3PO. Yep, I get that. Very robotic. Pat Cummins, Han Solo from Mitchell Hall. And Jack Clifton said Menas is Chewbacca, which I'm not sure about. <laughs> well, I think that's it for this shorter edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Um, any any closing comments, 
capitulate to a poll? Um, Just to no, cause you I a cough? Forward, <laughs> cause you a cough, I know. I feel, I, I hopefully will see you guys back in the studio next week and I'll be back at work. I feel like Ken is so lucky to have me. Been there for one week, take a week, please. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm heading to the Chapel Foundation dinner tomorrow night. So are you going to that, Jaleesa? Provided I'm not coughing on everyone, then, yeah, I will be going. Yeah, and if you um, want to support youth homelessness, head to the thechapelfoundation.com. They do terrific work. Really great um, thing about that organisation, too, is everyone who's involved in that, including Peter Lawler, who does a lot of work, um, then nobody's paid. All the money mm-hmm. goes back into the foundation, which... Um, a lot of charities do wonderful work, but it obviously costs a bit to run them, whereas um, the Chapel Foundation don't take any money out. Every cent goes to where it's intended to go to, which is um, really good. I like supporting that foundation. The closing comment, I, I, I ran into an old friend the other day, <laughs> and he has a son who's about 10, and he, he played cricket this, this season for the first time. It was a real good news story that he just said how much the, the child enjoyed it and how much all of the parents enjoyed it, and it seems as though they've got perfect balance now back in my day it was you know you just sort of stand around in the field for two hours if you weren't one of the better players but now they've got the perfect balance between making sure that everyone can get to go but ensuring it's still a good competitive game with the you know the reflecting proper cricket and it, it was just really um buzzing at what a wonderful wonderful experience it's been so that was really heartening to hear that's a lovely story and, and also i should uh, that's so nice yeah and paul and i actually yesterday when we record this interviewed uh, Anthony Harry Moffat, who's a former SAS soldier, who's written a book called Eleven Bats, and he's collected bats from his eleven deployments overseas. And that uh, was a really interesting interview. We're going to release that in the next two weeks. We talk about everything, including what Paul's just talking about there, the power of cricket, how it can be such a, a sociable and, and uh, such a, a prop, you know, an important escape for people. Um, you know, just when you're having a tough day. So that's coming. We also asked Harry about, you know, the issues with, um, you know, what's come out with the SAS um, war crimes. So that's alleged war crimes. So, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Wow, that would be an incredible interview. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it was, um, it was a great privilege to do, actually. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Well, on that note, I'm going to, before Jaleesa starts coughing again, we're going to call stumps on this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Jaleesa, hopefully I'll see you tomorrow night. Otherwise, next week. Paul, take care. See you, guys. See ya. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.